Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 237 of the Spoiler Alert podcast brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. I'm Danny, and I'm here with Mike, and tonight we'll be discussing the thriller Green Room, starring Patrick Stewart and Anton Yelchin. <laughs> nope. My- no. No. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It'll be, we'll be talking about Green Zone with Matt Damon, directed by Paul Greengrass. No, no, wrong again. Wrong again. This week's episode is a throwback. It's the Stephen King thriller, The Green Miles, starring Tom Hanks uh, and Sam Rockwell. Danny, I'm, I'm going to have to call you out here. We, we talked about- Green Lantern? About, we, we, with, no, The Green Hornet. The Green Hornet. We had talked about The Green yep, Hornet. We thought we about it. we both watched we, it this week. Then we decided to do Green Card with Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> No? No. No, no. No, no. It's It's this year's National Board of Review winner. Oh. Yeah. Green Book. Oh, Green Book. Oh, yeah. Green Book. I'm going to need a hard cut. Let's do a hard cut. Let's take a pause. You can go watch it. I'm going to go find a theater playing it and find a showtime that works. All right. Okay. Well, we'll talk again in a week. All right. See you then. All right, and we're back. That was a great break. Thanks so much for that. Uh, no problem. That clarity. We got to be more clear. We can't just say green and then you know, like I kind of drunkenly scribble I feel, another. I word. feel like by the time we decide what we're going to do next, we're both a little tipsy and we yeah. uh, sometimes forget. Yeah, it yeah. happens. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah. So I saw the Green Book. Green Book. All right. Green yeah, book. I don't think I don't think it's the Green Book. I think. It's oh just, shoot! I saw the I, Green Book. <laughs> no, so it's just Green Book. We need, oh, we need another no. hard stop. Let's do a hard cut. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. All right. All right. Thanks. Welcome back. All right. Let's talk about Green Book with Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali. That's yes. the one you saw, right? Correct. Yes. Oh, good. We're, we're talking Oscar-nominated, Oscar-winning actors here. Uh, yes. I was going to say Viggo Mortensen has not won an Academy Award. No, he has Award, not. But Marshall but Marshall Ali has, yes. Yeah, let's get into this thing. Why don't you hit us with a, a tight plot recap in case any listeners stopped listening and then went to go watch The Green Mile or Green Zone or some of those other movies. Absolutely. The incredibly hilarious gross-out comedy directed by Peter Farrelly, Green Book, tells the story of Dr. Don Shirley, a classically trained pianist in a jazz trio, and Tony, his chauffeur on a two-month fall concert tour of the Midwest and Deep South. Hilarity ensues because Dr. Shirley is an African-American, Tony is an Italian-American, and the year is 1962. <laughs> yeah, you can see it coming from you a mile com- away. Right, broad if, comedy. If, if you expect racist encounters with redneck business proprietors, bigoted cops, and white privilege exercised by the high society for which Dr. Shirley performs, well, you must have seen the poster. And if you expect an attempt at sentimentality and old-fashioned charm, as the blue-collar Tony injects a little culture into stuffy Dr. Shirley, but on the flip side, Tony gets a finishing school lesson from the doc, well, you probably also saw the trailer. (laughs) Also... The title Green Book refers to an actual publication in the Jim Crow era that African Americans would use as an atlas to safely traverse the United States with particular care paid to areas south of the Mason-Dixon line. How the hell is this movie billed as a comedy? Danny, that's Green Book. What did you think? Uh, Well, I loved your plot recap. Let me just go on record as saying I was not 
terribly looking forward to this movie, given I'd seen the poster and I'd yeah. seen the trailer. Okay. <laughs> but and you've after, seen Fairly Brother movies. After like seven weeks of seeing movies that I disliked or were disappointed by, I really enjoyed this movie. Oh, good. I thought this was a, okay. like a crowd pleaser. I was just smiling from ear to ear through most of the movie, especially yeah. the racist cop parts. Hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious, yeah. Yeah. What did you think? It's hard to say that I disliked the movie because I I didn't dislike the movie, but I I think I think if I were to genericize my review of it, dial it down to a tweet for like Rotten Tomatoes, I'd say that it was just so milk toast that it's hard to dislike. And I, I guess I would classify it as one of those films that we've talked about, you know, we've been going on this for five years now that everybody can like. This is the movie yeah. that I'll tell my parents, yeah, you gotta go see this. I would not have told my parents to go see Shape of Water last year. No. This is the movie that everybody can sit down over Thanksgiving or this Christmas. This is the King's Speech. This is yes. a Forrest Gump. I, this no, is I, a, yeah. I just wrote, I jotted down three movies that I think in recent years this would be that. And I wrote King's Speech. I also wrote Hidden Figures in the Help. And I think Hidden Figures in the Help are a little bit more closely related to this in the we can kind of we can we can paint a picture of racism in the United States that thankfully doesn't exist anymore because right, this was in the over. past right, right? right now king's speech doesn't fit into that category but i think all three of them are the movies that you could say you, you just hand it to to joe middle america to watch and enjoy over the holidays and it's going to fit in that category. And I actually enjoyed it. I, I, I'm not trying to be arrogant about that. I, I did enjoy it, but I, I feel too like late. It, it, it fits that uh, frame. Yeah. Well, too late. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, I, you. Was, I was thinking a lot about it because I, I just thought, well, what's wrong with that? You know, what's wrong? Especially, you know, there's so many people who only see one or two movies a year, maybe three now because they're almost guaranteed to see at least one Marvel movie uh, a year. But in an age where going to a movie is is less and less of an event, every once in a while just finding a movie that, I hate to say plays it safe or plays it down the middle, but that mm-hmm. most of us can agree was at least moderately to more than moderately enjoyable. Yeah. I feel okay. like that's a win. Um, and this is one of, this is a movie that I just, again, I wasn't really enthusiastic about it. I wasn't, I wasn't dreading it, but just wasn't excited about it. And I was pleasantly surprised the whole time. And the number one thing I liked about it easily uh, were the performances of Viggo Mortensen mm-hmm. and Mahershala Ali. I thought they both did an awesome job. And I thought the camaraderie that is built up over the movie between the two of them was really fun to watch. And I really I, – I mean I would have watched a sequel to this. I would have watched these two just be buddies in New York through the 70s, 80s, 90s, and to 2000s. Like, like, a, I just, like a Bing Crosby, uh, Bob Hope road – series like just, next time they're going like on a tour of the northeast i, I don't know i mean i just i would have watched because the, the postscripts and this is based on real life and the postscript said that these two characters remain friendly until they both passed away right. in 2013 i i like i'd watch a tv show with these two actors in these two roles sure. for decades because i just thought the dialogue between them and whatever they were talking about was somewhat immaterial because they just sort of clicked for me and i just I really enjoyed them, and it's it's easily, I think, the best Viggo Mortensen performance that I've seen. I mean, he was great in Eastern Promises, 
But other than that, like, what has he been in that you've really, like, the he's been super memorable in? Uh, was it A History of Violence? Is that, uh, was that yeah, Viggo Mortensen? Yeah, he's I, in I, that, I thought he was he's, great in that. He's okay. All right. Uh, so I, I mean, I, is that like, a, like you think, like, wow, what a great movie Viggo Mortensen. It's, 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 just, not, it's not one that you, right. you rank up there with The Godfather and Citizen <laughs> Kane. I get it. Yeah, I right, right. To, totally agreed. I think that both of their performances were fantastic. I love them both. I see Oscar nominations coming for both of them. I oddly think that Mahershala Ali will be a nominee for Supporting Actor, which I would be really confused as to why we'd go that route, but... I guess because he's sitting in the back seat throughout the movie, we'd call him the supporting actor. I, I, I don't know. He's already on pace. I think the Golden Globes recognized him as best supporting. I think the, okay. uh, the Screen Actors Guild has already called him out for supporting. I think that's the way they're going. Yeah, But I, I, I think they're both fantastic um, in that. Um, I guess another thing that I liked about this, I, I, I say like, and it sounds horrible, the one sort of edgy part of the movie that otherwise I considered a little bit milk toast was that I expected the scenes where he, they'd get pulled over and harassed by cops. I expected the scenes where he'd show up at a bar and get roughed up right. and Tony would need to come in and intervene. All of that I saw coming. What I didn't see coming was the really stark contrast between the the doc playing for an audience of whites who would not then let him use their restroom or let him dine with them that to me was a a picture of racism and white supremacy in the united states that i know exists but we don't see often committed right. to right. these sorts of films you see that part sort of brushed over like you know, I, I've seen films where where fantastic artists have been uh, of color have been applauded by a white audience in an era where that where you couldn't expect that happening, or athletes sure. performing great feats and being applauded by a white audience where you didn't. So you sort of feel like there's this. Well, okay, the racism is that you're not okay, but you as a person of color are okay. But here you see him in their club, in their concert hall, in their living room, unable to use their restroom and being asked to use the, the outhouse. And I thought that's a part of racism in America in this era of the 1960s that I haven't seen in a lot of films thus far. I wholeheartedly agree that the typical, the stereotypical scenes you'd expect were there. We expected them and they were there. I thought they were done fine, but they were included. But I also agree that, yes, this is normally glossed over. This is normally not. It's almost like racism in the South, in the 60s, it has typically been portrayed by cops or like working class, white, yeah, uneducated, right. yeah. disgusting, racist ruffians. And rarely do you see the upper crust so horrifically portrayed and yeah, and this right. show this movie didn't shy away from that correct um, and, and so i appreciated that you know i mean it's a two hour and 10 minute long film you probably only get about 20 minutes of that sort of scene in it but i thought you know wow like how how embarrassing that he's getting a standing ovation at the end of his concert and then the same people will not allow him to use the restroom right. in the hall like that's right that's gross and embarrassing and disgusting. 
Yep. Yep. I agree. One of the things that I, I was struck by, again, I, as I mentioned, was Viggo Mortensen's performance. I have found him over the years to be more of a supporting actor. I think he's good. I think he's fine. But the the scene that just kind of shocked me was the, the scene in which he first hears Dr. Shirley play the piano. Yeah. Yeah. And he's standing outside with the other drivers, like at an open window, smoking and leaning into this house in Pittsburgh where Dr. Shirley's playing. And you just watch Mortensen's face and it starts with kind of shock and surprise. And then it goes to awe and then it moves to wonder. And then it's sort of like just he's totally blown away by it and it all plays out. I mean, it's like his entire misperception and misconception of this guy gets immediately thrown out the window in like 15 seconds of pure joy. It was really awesome. He's enamored pretty quickly. And I'll just tag on to that and say, I'm always blown away when an actor who is not a trained pianist is playing a piano player in a film and Mahershala Ali is fantastic. Like, if, if he's not playing the piano himself in this movie, I'm blown away How that could he's he? not. How could he? Uh, I mean, this is some he, of the most like, complex piano. I, I, he's not. I, yeah. I know he's not. And, and I think that, that, I think that, that only adds to the impressiveness of his performance. And I'll say on the top of that, I loved the music in the movie. I loved, I loved the jazzy... Uh, uh, non-actual concert footage that you hear when they're just traveling together and talking or at a bar hanging right. out for a moment. I loved the classical trio, the classical jazz trio uh, songs that they both play. At the end of the film, there's a great blues couple of numbers that they play. I thought the music was absolutely fantastic. And there is yet another scene where somebody shows up at a Christmas party and what's playing in the background but Nat King Cole. Like, That's two for two like, this year. This is two for two in a yeah. month I get that song. And it just, it just sends chills down my body when I hear it in, in the ambient background. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot to like in this movie. And, yeah, and yeah. you're right, it does tick off so many of the kind of cliche boxes, but I did feel like it was better than cliche. I felt this was better than average. Um and when the Golden Globes were announced and A Star is Born was put in Best Drama and this movie was nominated for Best Musical or Comedy, it felt like, I feel like these two are reversed, right? Like, isn't <laughs> isn't Green Book a drama and isn't A Star is Born a musical? Like, uh, this, how, how is this? That Wikipedia, Rotten Tomatoes, everything bills this film as a comedy and I don't quite get that. Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't say it's a comedy, but I wouldn't say it's a drama, and I don't think it's like the Driving Miss Daisy sort of more heavy. I mean, it definitely touches on the racism. It definitely covers the the, the content, but I didn't feel like it was this real dour, you know, Mississippi burning. The South right. is the no, worst. I agree. And I felt yeah. like it. I felt like it was enjoyable. I felt like it was fairly breezy, and I I felt like I don't know. I I just I was pleasantly surprised the whole time. I think people will enjoy it. I will tell my parents to go see this. Yeah, right. Yes, I, as will I. I will tell yeah. your parents to go see this. Right. How about that? <laughs> Send them an email. Good yeah. call. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Were there any things uh, that you didn't like other than the fact that it was a little milk toast and that it ticked all the, the boxes? I thought the whole fried chicken scene was kind of, I don't want to say offensive, but just sort of 
like offensively cliche. I think would w- would be the oh. way that I would describe it. The fact that we're gonna educate the PhD classical pianist on why fried chicken is really good, and of course he eventually comes to like it. Like that was that was kind of ridiculous. And I think that it is a little tough to watch these movies. Um, the more that I get educated on white privilege in America, to see the white savior come and be the hero of the film it is a little bit a little bit much for me, right? Like anytime he's in a jam, up shows Vigo to talk down the racist cops to flash a pistol and and take care of it that got uh, that happened like half a dozen times so i think that that got a little bit old in the movie's defense that is literally why vigo mortensen's character was along for the ride he was explicitly hired as a white white guy to watch his back (laughs) and get him out of jams and so well, I I would totally normally agree with you that yeah, it felt a little, you know, uh, stereotypical and cliche and obvious that that's the role he played. But it's like no, no, that was like his character's name. That, yeah, yeah right. that was the whole point. Um, I, I think the thing that bothered me the most, if there's anything that I didn't like, it was what you mentioned earlier. It's just this this movie did sort of portray some of the racism as all behind us, like. And the South was fixed and no one's ever had challenges since. Yeah. You know, and it just clearly that's not the case. And clearly that's not the reality for for millions of people over the last several decades. But it just it just felt a little too pat. And I and I don't know how they get around it because they weren't necessarily saying that. I I, did just something in the tone or just in the the way that we saw um, Viggo Mortensen's character. And even at the end, his whole family sort of come around to Dr. Shirley pretty quickly it didn't take much, you know, for him to overcome what started in the beginning as seemingly pretty serious racism. And by I the mean, end, it was like totally fine and hugging well, him and inviting I, him to his family. I even argue that it didn't even seem all that serious up front. Like, I, I know that he threw out the glasses right. from the uh, the people of color that had come to, like, fix an appliance or yeah. something like that. Like, of course, that looked ridiculous. But that was, like, the one incident. Like, you never heard him using racial slurs and things like that. So I I would say that as milk toast as it was, I liked the fact that I think the underlying theme of the film was that while we really can't heal racism and even though it tries to make it look like well, you know, by 1963 it clearly was already healed, I think that the lesson was spending quality time having meals having conversations with people of different cultures than your own is the way that we can combat prejudice. And I guess I, I I would say that probably a year ago, I would have said, there's just no way around this though. Everything's screwed. Like to me, it's like global warming, like or climate change. Right. I'm not, I I can change my light bulbs, but that's not going to fix anything. But I keep changing my light bulbs, right? Like, I still use the good <laughs> right. light bulb. Like, I still recycle, even though I can't. And so, to me, this is like, this is the way you do it. Like, two people on different ends of the spectrum spending quality time together and forcing themselves to be with one another in tight confines. This is how we get past the ridiculousness of bigotry in the country. And 
that to me was a lesson that I liked taking away from it. What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What is up with the kids having a bunk bed in mom and dad's room? Yeah, that's not so best good. choice. No, not best choice. Um, what's up with? And I'm a little embarrassed to say this. I've I've finished an entire pizza by myself on occasion. I've done it from a hotel bed on occasion uh, when I was traveling for work quite a bit. What's up with Vigo folding an entire 12-inch pizza in half and eating it like a taco? It was a taco town taco. That was the most disgusting thing I might have seen in a movie in a long time. He, He sits on a hotel bed, folds an entire pizza in half, and devours it like a taco. That's disgusting. <laughs> What's up with him ordering an ice-cold draft beer? The bartender doesn't have any control over what temperature it comes out of the tap. It's not like, oh, you want this one cold? Well, I'll use the cold beer tap. It is what I'll, it is. Just I'll not use the it. one that just came out of the storage shed that's all foamy. What? What's up with there's a scene early in the movie where Tony walks into a room and there's a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And this thing has got to be dangling with the most delicate, sticky spit to his lip because the thing looks like it's a foot long. I can't believe that this is a cigarette, that there could be any part that he's still like clutching to with his lips. It's huge and it's weird and he can't even possibly be smoking it. It's sort of like... Like, like stuck to his chin with a piece of gum or something like that. What's up with that? What's up with that? Yeah. What's up with his kids showing more emotion that he'll be gone for eight weeks than Neil Armstrong's kids did when he was going yeah. to the moon in First right. Man? Right. right. <laughs> That's totally true. What's up with Dr. Shirley's assistant being willing to kind of tuck Dr. Shirley into the back of the car with a blanket, but he groaned at the idea of having to put the luggage in the trunk? <laughs> Some of that guy. Yeah, that that was like the principal from Glee, wasn't it? Yeah, wasn't that yeah. that actor? Yeah. Uh, what's up with them not, uh, uh, Dr. Shirley and his trio, not all traveling in the same car with uh, Tony driving them? Like, what? it seemed like they weren't on just a, a spend-as-you-will kind of budget sort of thing. So the fact that they're driving two cars across the country, these things are getting like, this is the 1960s, so they're getting like six miles per gallon. Right, right. right. I mean, I don't get why they wouldn't all, and they're, and they're identical cars too. Like, maybe throw them all in there. You've got three white guys in the car then. Maybe Dr. Shirley will get a little less trouble when Vigo ultimately gets pulled over. All I could think of was he had a cello and a bass, and that could take like the trunk and the like back. You think seat. those were in the back seat? Yeah, yeah I guess that's a possibility. All right. What's up with this film having the shortest montage ever? So last week we talked about the front runner, and there's like a 15 minute montage of him campaigning. This one has him and his trio playing a performance. I think it was in Little Rock, and then the crowd is clapping, and then it just then you get a, a, a cut to a, a crowd clapping and it's a different city and then right. a crowd clapping and it's a different city. So in like three seconds, 
they've they've at least traversed like eight days and a right. thousand miles across the U.S. And the, and the other cities were like Juno and Tokyo. Right. right. So that, it was really odd. Yeah. yeah what? 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 Dro- drove to Tokyo. What's what's up with Doctor Shirley? Getting a 1.75 liter of Cuddy Sark in his hotel room every night. Every night. No help finishing it. Like Tony offers, hey, if you need any help with that, I'll come by. Which I thought was sort of a a sweet, you know, olive branch. Like, I'd love to hang out with you, Doc. Yeah, I'll drink with you. Have a couple whiskeys. And he's like, no, don't bother. No, I'm all good. And that dude is finishing those off. Like, can you imagine drinking... Nearly two liters of whiskey every night. That's a for lot. For the record, I cannot imagine oh, that. All right, good, good. For all good. our listeners. Right, right. Mike, are you ready for five questions? Let's do it. All right, we got five listener submitted questions for Green Book. Uh, thank you, listeners. Here they come. Question number one This movie references and gives us a scene where we find that Dr. Shirley was gay, but it's sort of a peripheral scene. And Viggo Mortensen's character seems totally cool with it. Do you think that more should have been made of this aspect of his personality and their relationship? Or that we should have just cut this whole thing out? I think that I had guessed that about Dr. Shirley earlier in the film. It comes to light probably at about the two-thirds mark. I think the thing about that scene that surprised me the most is that we're trying to make a big deal of the fact that he's getting arrested for being gay when what he was really getting arrested for was having sex in a public place. And I thought that that was a little bit odd. Like, the the cops that showed up, I, I think, clearly hadn't treated him well, but Vigo gets to show up and be the hero again. And I'm thinking, like, well, black or white, straight or gay... You can't be having sex in a locker room. That's going to get you in trouble. Like, the the police are going to have a problem with that. And so I thought the whole scene was kind of weird altogether. I thought that, yeah, of course you're in trouble. You were having sex in a locker room. Like, you're not allowed to do that. Like, Fair enough. All right. Question two. Viggo Mortensen, quirky leading man or distinguished character actor? Oh, boy. I don't know. That That guy is quirky. He he chooses some unique roles, doesn't he? Uh, I'm gonna go distinguished character actor. Okay. Yeah. Question three: Tony Lip, played by Viggo Mortensen, actually went on to become an actor and was featured in The Sopranos and Goodfellas. Oh no, kidding! I didn't know. In any The of Sopranos, this. Oh, wow. he played Carmen uh, Lupertazzi, the uh, the mob boss. Uh, and no. he's got uh, his kids and his brothers also became actors. And in fact, they they both play characters in this film. So in the movie, Vigo, the Tony Lip's father is played by the real Tony Lip's brother. And Tony Lip's brother is played by the real Tony Lip's son. So the question is, how do you feel about the real life subject of the film's family members acting in the film? And do you think that's they're able to give a fair or objective sort of performance, given that they're playing their uncle or or their their grandpa? I, I think that it's fair, and I think that it adds a little bit of quirky fun to it. I wish I'd known that before this. Like clearly, I didn't do my research on this one well enough. But that's I think that's super cool. Hmm. Okay. 
Question four, does director Peter Farrelly have a higher hurdle when it comes to best director honors for this film, given his focus on gross out comedies in the past? I don't think so. I think that it almost helps him. Like, look, look at the gross out guy made good here, right? I mean, like, think of what it did for Steven Spielberg when he was the guy directing horror movies and kids movies and then takes on a subject matter with a little bit of heft. Like, you get best director for Schindler's List, right? Okay. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't think it's a hurdle. Great. And this last question from a listener said, uh, given the similarity between this movie and Driving Miss Daisy, I wanted to know, what do you think the tuba in Miss Daisy's bedroom was used for? <laughs> that, of course, listeners, is a reference to the the tuba just mysteriously placed in Miss Daisy's bedroom. We can never quite bedroom. understand why that was in this there. This listener, I don't know, right. what the hell was that doing the in there? got it on a bed. Right. Uh, I would say that Miss Daisy probably used it as a planter. I would oh. think that she probably had flowers coming out of it. It was a decorative artifact with, with living living flowers. Your vote uh, is planter, not not accidental toilet. No, 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 okay. no, no. Okay, no, well, no. that was... No, she she seemed fully continent uh, throughout. Did I, she? Well, maybe By not the end. the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, well, that's five questions. Nice job. Good, good questions. Thank you, listeners. All right, Mike, well, your final thoughts on Green Book? Uh, I, I'm glad that I saw it. I, I would, you know, we didn't talk about the Golden Globes. We didn't talk about the awards this has already received. Uh, or the upcoming Oscar race, but I would see this to factor bigly in it. I think that much like Hidden Figures, much like King's Speech, the movie that is is PG, you can take your junior high kids to see, you can take your grandparents to see, and everybody's going to enjoy it. You're going to laugh a little. You're going to be sad a little. I think that this is... This is like the penultimate Oscar movie. I don't disagree. I think this, uh, I think it's, I hope that more people will see it. I do think people will enjoy it. And uh, I agree. I think it'll be a major awards contender. Whether or not it'll carry the day or win any categories, I'm not quite sure. But early I think it'll, see, I think it'll say, get a lot, of, uh, a lot of nominations. Well, coming up next, we're either going to be seeing The Favorite or Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Whichever the movie calendar, release calendar, will uh, provide for us. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com, where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Movie Outsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.